Well, hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. It is so good to worship together on-site here together and online, and maybe for those of you who are tuning in later, on-demand as well. I, uh, I love that we get to worship together. Well, my name is Mike Delgallo. I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If uh, maybe you've been joining in for the last couple of weeks, maybe this is your first time ever joining in, I just want to say welcome, and uh, it's so good. We're so thrilled to have you here. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you are a guest, to look into the seat back in front of you, and you can find a blue connection card. Go ahead and just take a moment to fill that out, and at the end of the service, you could drop it off in the offering box as you exit. Uh, you could also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and you could submit a connect card there as well. Well, regardless of filling out a physical or digital connect card, um, we would want you to f- fill that out for two reasons. One, I would love the opportunity to follow up with you and just thank you for joining in. And second, on behalf of Faithbrook, we would love to make a $5 donation to Feed My Starving Children just as a way to celebrate you joining in with us. So, if you would go ahead and do that, I would love the opportunity to follow up with you and make that donation on your behalf. Well, our mission here at Faithbrook is to love God, to love people, and to journey together. And one of the best ways we live this out is through growing in, uh, growing in our faith. Well, I, could, I think we can all uh, agree that summer can be a little distracting. Uh, we have moments to go away, and uh, we have uh, time spent at the lake, maybe the cabin, on our decks, wherever that may be. Sometimes uh, growing in faith can be put on the back burner, and we sometimes don't pay attention to that. But I will say a great way to grow in faith this summer is through summer camp. We have adult and kids family camp coming up in August. And this is an awesome way to not only have a chance to relax and rejuvenate, but also refresh and have a chance to um, grow in our faith spiritually and also connect with other people who are part of the church community as well. So I want to encourage you to check that out. And the best place to find out information for that is through the Church Center app. If you don't have the Church Center app, you can go to your app store and download that. And it takes a few seconds to create a profile. And once you do that and you load the app at the bottom, you'll see a little button that says events. Just click on that. And then you'll see district family camp. Just click there and you can get all the information you need. And if you need any other help, you could also reach out to me at Pastor Mike at faithbrook.church. So for, uh, if you're thinking about going, I want to encourage you to go. And I look forward to seeing you up at family camp. Well, in just a few moments, we are going to hear from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, Summer on the Mount. All right. Well, hey, welcome to Faithbrook. Uh, It is Jim Comfort preaching today. Some of you are like, hey, Pastor Jim, I thought you were on sabbatical. Uh, My sabbatical doesn't start for a couple days, and uh, I'm thankful for the church is going to let me kind of stand down for the month of July. But for this morning, I get to uh, share What's on our heart? Well, it is the 4th of July. It's a big deal in America and our past history. I hope that you're enjoying this weekend. Maybe you're viewing us online and up at the cabin. Uh, But we have just come together to to, um, learn and uh, listen and be changed in Christ Jesus. Well, I suspect that many of you know what year our Declarations of Independence was, was signed course, it was in 1776. But how many of you know the backstory of how our country was with birth? 
So most of you realize that um, the, the early settlers came from Britain, came from England. Uh, someone discovered America, and they started trickling over. Uh, most people think, well, it was just the pilgrims five years before 19, or 1776, and they got it together and created this uh, declaration. Well, no, uh, a lot of European people, English people, were over for many, many years trying to just settle and, and bring it together. Well, as they became more civilized and colonies started being created in different areas in this new America, uh, the motherland, England, got a little nervous that these people were starting to get organized and prosperous. So they still wanted to have some control and the power, uh, maybe bring in some revenue, and they started taxing these new Americans that were in these colonies. Well, they didn't appreciate this too much because they left the motherland and they were trying to get it together and kind of do their own thing. In fact, they, they started bringing together these ideas that they could actually form their own country and form their own government. And these patriots and these founding people started thinking about, well, if we had a government, it wouldn't be like England who had a king and there was a lot of authoritarianism there. We could create a government that would be by the people for the people people and these concepts started to coming together they're like well we don't want a, a heavy-handed king or dictator and we wanted the ability to speak our mind and speak against the government we needed to we wanted to be able to worship any religion in any way we wanted to and so they, they started collecting themselves meanwhile the British were taxing the early uh, Americans in these colonies, but they were getting a little ticked off because they were not getting representative back in England. Nobody from the Americas were set in the parliament, but yet they were making decisions for these, these settlers in America. And so tensions started rising. Uh, Britain started sending over their red coat army people to, to police these colonies. And sometimes they were kind of going after their gunpowder. And these colonists didn't appreciate this at all. And tension started to rise and they wanted to rebel. And all came to a head in 1775 at a town called Lexington in Massachusetts where the, they heard that these redcoat British were coming into their town and these primitive Minutemen, uh, countrymen, came with their muskets. And they put a little petition that says, you're not coming in our town to take us and we're really mad at you. And all of a sudden there was words exchanged and there was the infamous shot that was said, be heard around the world. And a red coat went down and muskets were fired and bodies were laying around and the Revolution War began. Now, what people don't realize is that Revolution War lasted over six years to win our independence. So as these Minutemen, these new Americans were trying to defend themselves, they knew that they were outmanned, they were outgunned, they were the underdogs of this great British empire that had the ships and this huge army and they were in trouble. So they were just kind of a ragtag army trying to rebel against these red coats. Not everyone in America was convinced at that time. Well, the arch enemy of Britain was French, and they saw an opportunity. And they wanted to wage war at the same time the Americans were against the, the British Empire. But they needed to know if the new American people were serious about their independence. 
And they put pressure on these new Americans to say, you know what, if, if you're going to um, uh, get away from Britain, then you need to make it real. You've got to be serious. You've got you to form a declaration, an official document that says we are independent, we're starting our new country, and you've got to figure out what that looks like. And so those patriots, those founding founders, about 50 or 60 of them, collected in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and started debating their ideas. Well, what are we going to look like? What what is our founding values? Who who are we? And finally, after chiseling, debating, and bringing it all together, this beautiful document called the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th, 1776. Now, just a note, our Constitution was not declared and formalized until 1782. And the backside of that was the Bill of Rights. But first, it was Declaration of Independence. And inside this Declaration of Independence was this clause, this paragraph that really was the formative values of who we are even today, which says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Big deal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain inevitable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This was our founding thoughts, the founding truths, the founding values that our forefathers uh, declared. And they all kind of came together in these three big ones, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, you notice that they talked about, we hold these truths that are self-evident. Well, what does that mean? That means that we didn't bring a legislator together and debate what's true and what do you think, and then we'll vote on it. No, these came from what scholars call the natural law. These, were, these came from a truth that were bigger than mankind. It was transcendent, some authority Many would call it not the natural law, but the God laws, that God brought these inevitable, uh, self-evident truths that each person is valuable. Each person is created and should have liberty and have the chance to pursuit of happiness. So it shouldn't surprise us that these three are close to uh, Christian hearts, that we find a lot of times these values, these truths of life, liberty, and happiness in the Bible that, that kind of parallel. For instance, the natural law of life we see in God's heart from the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, that God created humanity in his image. Of all the planets out there, he picked little earth and said, I'm going to give life to humans, and humans are going to be different than animals. They're going to have a soul. They're going to have a morality and a conscience about them. They're going to have the ability to, to love. And he made man and woman. He gave life. We see that the, the writers in the New Testament picked this up to the value of man. For instance, Ephesians 2, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in God, Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That God had a vision that humanity would, would reflect who he was, that we are his creations. Handy, every person is so valuable to him. Even the people, the, the little ones in mother's wombs that are not even born yet, but that God is creating and values each person. And so these self-evident um, rights and views of humanity were in our Declaration of Independence. It parallels what God views humanity, that we're not an accident 
We just didn't evolve from some evolution theory, but that we are light. We are soul. We are spirit of God. And we have rights. We also notice that, that God just didn't uh, die for just cells. He died for people. That God so loved this earth, for God so loved you and me that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, and allowed him that he eventually go on the cross to be the, the, the sacrifice, the, the penalty for, for mankind. If anyone would receive, anybody would ask for forgiveness, they have new life in him. And so he paid such a high price because to him, his children, his, his creation, the people, humanity were so important. These are divine, transcendent truths that don't come from mankind. They're, they're self-evident that every person is created in God's eyes. And so our founding fathers also said, you know what else is important? That we should have liberty. Now, liberty is another word for freedom. And this comes from the heart of God also because our God, the Christian God, believes in freedom. In fact, we know that God gave humans free will to love him, to choose him or not. We have that ability to make that choice. God didn't force us to love him. We're not spiritual robots that, are, that have to, to like him and do what he says. No, we have this free will. And because of this, God wants us to have freedom. He wants us to have freedom from sin and addictions and, and burdens. We see this in Galatians 5.1. And so it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, he's not talking about physical slavery, but he's talking about the slavery to, to things that harm our soul, our relationship with Christ, that the pollute our minds, and the sin can easily uh, 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 entangle us. Now, these founding fathers, when they were saying, hey, life and liberty, they wasn't thinking about the biblical Jesus uh, freeing us from our sin and addictions, but they were thinking about this freedom that every person can have in America, that they can speak their mind, even speak against the government, uh, to have a, a, a vote. And this liberty and freedom also means the freedom to, to fail or to risk or to succeed that a person can build their own life. They can speak their mind. They can worship in a way they feel free to worship. They can that assemble and even protect themselves. I'm reminded of, of the great uh, patriot Patrick Henry. He said, give me liberty or give me death. In other words, if we're going to form this country, then it's going to be about liberty. And if it's not about liberty, then I will die for it. I'd rather die, but I want liberty. And so this freedom, this liberty is very valuable. It should be very valuable to us as American citizens. Sometimes in the last couple of years, there seems to be a, a new awakening that, that people need to be uh, thinking on the same line. And, if, and there's this, this wave of influence out there that if you don't have a group think, if you don't think the way we think, then, then maybe we ought to shame you or put you in a corner. And so more and more people are shrinking back a little bit. It's like, well, I'm afraid to speak my mind or, or share my values because I might have a different value. And before you know it, there's someone that's going to um, embarrass us or cancel us or, 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 or make us look bad. Before we know it, we start losing that right <clears throat> of speaking our mind <clears throat> in a civil way. I'm reminded of George Washington, 
who said something about the freedom of speech. If freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent we may be led like a sheep to the slaughter. Oh, may we embrace the value of liberty from the liberty to protecting ourselves, to voting, to sharing in a civil way, even to our free speech. So we also see the third one is the law, this natural law, the pursuit of happiness, to pursue it. I hope maybe this weekend you're going to experience some happiness. Uh, Maybe there's some fun things and uh, exciting things in your life. Now, uh, in fairness, God did not ever speak much. The Bible doesn't speak much about happiness. Uh, God never promises happiness. In fact, I would say happiness is pretty temporal. But the Bible speaks about joy that can be found in Christ Jesus, that he can be our joy, that his joy is much more um, solid. It's much more meaningful. It's deeper than temporal things that are on the outside. For instance, Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, I have told you this, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. It's not like God is like, oh, man, I want you to be followers of men, and I, I, I just want you to be serious and sour and not have any fun, and you just go through the dregs of following me. No, I gave you this beautiful, created world of lakes and the fish and the mountains, and, and, and enjoy it. I've created this for you. Have life. Uh, Jesus said, man, I've come to give you life and give it to the full. That's just not uh, loving me with all your heart, but also enjoying life. I, I appreciate Romans 8 that says, no, we, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There's this optimistic, positive attitude uh, th- that as Americans and Christians, we can embrace that there's some joy. Our forefathers said, man, let's give the liberty and the rights to pursue happiness. So are, are, are these valuable to us who claim to be U.S. citizens? Should they be valuable to us as Christ followers? And how would God want us to view these and value these? Well, interesting enough, there's a couple of scriptures in the sermon that we are traversing this summer in the Sermon on the Mount that might speak to this. In chapter 5 of Matthew, um, of Matthew's account, uh, Jesus shares about the Beatitudes, our, our attitudes, our perceptions. But then right away, he says these valuable scriptures that I think have a lot to do with with our country and these three invariable rights that we have been given. And this is what he says to him. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, Jesus is sharing on the side of the Sea of Galilee. There's many people that are collecting. Several of these people believe he is the Messiah. They're going to follow him. And so right away in the first chapter of the three chapters that he speaks, he says, you are the salt of the earth. He's got a vision. He's got a, a, a command from a mission for them. Now, many of these people the day before, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Of all the things he picks, he picks salt. Probably the day before they had salt in their hands. Because in those days, it didn't have modern refrigeration, but salt, which had many different functions in the primitive society, one of the great functions was it was a preservative. 
So if they got a hold of some meat, they needed to keep it from spoiling. And so they would take salt and they'd rub it into the meat and find a dark, um, cool place somewhere. And because of the salt and the environment, it would last a little bit longer. So he says, you are the salt of the earth. And salt is a preservative. And when we invest in our culture and our society, our families, we are, we are bringing some preservatives to, in there. Could it be true that when Christ says you have salted the earth, he's counting on us who claim to be Christ followers? Man, I need you to preserve the good values, the godliness that is around wherever you are at. I'm counting on you. That's your mission, to be salt of the earth. Now, salt not only is a preservative, but most of us know it as a, uh, it gives flavor. How many of you appreciate salt on your food? Maybe today you might have some corn on the cob and you put some little salt on that corn on the cob. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that flavor just pops, right? Now, if I'm going to eat some green beans, I got to put some salt and pepper on it, right? And there's a whole nother level if I put some salt on those green beans, not to mention some baked potatoes. You know what I'm saying? Can I get an amen, right? It raises the level I'm talking about. Right? So Jesus like, you understand that if you're going to be my followers, whatever context you're in, whatever culture you're in, whatever government setting you're in, I'm counting on you to be the salt to preserve and to raise the level and to add value. You are the salt. Now, he also says, now if the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. What's he talking about? Well, those people also understood that sometimes uh, if salt got around too much water, it could dissolve their salt could be contaminated, that salt could be diluted, and it wasn't worth much. And, and it reminds me of sometimes, if you, if you are a Christ follower, we, we can easily uh, lose our zeal for Christ. And we are not close to Christ. And before we know it, we, we are not being salt in our uh, communities. We're not being salt in our working in environments. In fact, so many times uh, Christians have, have let down God. We have done something hypocritical. We have stained the reputation of Christ and, and maybe his church. And before we know it, uh, the cause of Christ is, is, is darkened or damaged because of our hypocrisy. And here's Christ says, man, don't lose your saltiness. Don't lose your zeal. Uh, I'm counting on you to be that, that person that preserves the greatest values, the goodness, wherever you're at, and, and add value, add flavor, whatever context you're in. I'm reminded of uh, John Adams. He was our second president. He was very close to, to George Washington. And he said this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any others. What was John Adams telling us right here? That if we're going to start a country and it's going to be a democracy through representatives, right? And it's going to be of the people, for the people, then we're going to have to have some glue that keeps us from being uh, uh, civil to each other. That we're going to have to be able to tolerate each other's different views. And how that's going to happen is, is from morality. And where we're going to get our morality is probably down the street at the church from a Bible or the religion you're going through. In those days, the, the majority of the people were reading from the, the Bible, the, the King James Bible. And he's saying, man, if we're going to have this constitution, this experiment of democracy, Democracy, we're going to have to have something underwriting, and it's going to be our morality, which is going to come from our faith, this salt, this preservative. 
this thing that adds value. And here at Faithbrook, through this summer series, we've been learning that when we practice what Jesus preaches, it brings peace. And we can be people of peace. We can also be people of truth, but of all our unrest in our country today and and rage and, and tension, who are the people that are practicing peace? Who are the people that are that are secure and foundational and, and have love in their hearts. We also, last week we discovered that we don't always have to look perfect as Christ followers, but we have to be real. We have to be authentic, that Christ living in, in our hearts. Before we know it, we are rubbing our influence in our communities and our societies. We are adding value. We are preserving. We, we are helping America Now, what's interesting in the next paragraph of what Jesus says, a lot of national leaders have used this verse and this quote to inspire Americans. When Jesus said, you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow. Be a light on a lamp. I want you to be visible. I want you to be out there. Now, when he talked about this city on a hill shining, uh, a lot of these people, that was another thing they could relate to. So it wasn't just Jerusalem, but maybe there were some other ancient cities. And a lot of times they were fortified by these, these limestone giant walls. And Jerusalem was being known in the temple of just being a beautiful city. And so um, in the evening, when the sun would go down and that sun would angle off of those limestone sheer walls, there would be something miraculous that would happen. And if you can imagine that you are, are walking towards this city far off in the evening, all of a sudden that, sh- that light shines off those giant walls. It, it, it illuminates it. it. It starts glowing as something special, something magnificent. And he said, you're that city on the hill. <clears throat> I'm calling you to reflect me. I'm calling you to be magnificent. I'm calling for you to say, wow, that's something beautiful. That's something special. You are the light on the hill to be visible. And it seems like God uses these two metaphors, the salt and the city on the hill, to tell us and call us to be salt and light to our country. The salt and light, and the light, you notice, is like, hey, don't put it under a lampstand. Don't, don't shrink back. Don't, don't hide. I need you out there on the front lines. I need you in the corporations. I need you in your plants. I need you in your schools. I need you in your neighborhoods to be that salt and light. And for <clears throat> serious Christ followers, sometimes this is tricky because we know that Christ says, hey, I don't want you to be of the world, but I need you to be in the world. And that can be a little dicey, how we manage that, how we deal with that, because we're not called to to be a product of our culture, but we can't run from our culture. Christ is calling us to be brave and courage to to get into our culture and be that salt and light. Now, for many people, it's very tempting to see 
some of the values deteriorating. Uh, some people believe that we are drifting away from some of the, the Christian values that our country used to have. And so it's just very easy to say, you know what, I'm just going to hunker down here and, and we're going to kind of hide and just kind of survive. We're just going to survive and p- p- preserve our values, our Christianity. And, and we see the rest of society uh, strain and more chaos and maybe Christ is asking us, hey, no, no, I'm saying right up front, I need you to be out there. I need you to be salt and light in our, our countries. Some might be asking, well, well, how do we do this? Um, I'm not sure how to, to, to do it, especially with all the technology and the changes and the cultural shifting. So let me suggest two things, how we can be salt and light in our country. Number one, I would say individually, individually. We can all be that salt and light. I'm reminded of Micah 6.8. that says, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you individually. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly. I mean, out there today, there's a lot of uh, harshness. People are, are brassy. They're, they're loud. They're, they're opinionated. And there's a lot of, uh, they were just saying on the news the other day that the escalation of violence on planes and in the, in public streets is just escalating. Well, who, who's going to be people of peace? That doesn't mean that we compromise our values, but, but we're going to walk humbly. We're going to have a relationship with God. We're going to do what is right out there. You know, every day we get an opportunity to just add value to people. Maybe our workplace, there's grumpy people. There's, there's people suffering, and, and maybe they're crying. There's this tragedy, and, and you're that ambassador. You're that missionary. You're that person of peace of Christ that gets to be there to just um, react and minister to people. And people are watching you. They're act, looking at your attitudes and how you view things, and you get that opportunity to be that salt and light and Christ ambassador in your context, in your, your situation. The other day, uh, we got an opportunity to uh, just be a little bit of uh, salt and light. Uh, I know through the years, Terry and I, we, we tried to uh, just be a blessing to people because a lot of times people are very grumpy in their tents, and uh, we found this out the other night. We, uh, our, our son was out, and so we snuck away my little fishing boat, and we came to the, the boat ramp. And it was kind of late, and I was like, well, let's, let's get the boat in. Well, somebody was sitting there at the boat launch uh, with their boat, and I got my, my truck backed up, and I'm ready to put it down the ramp, and they're just sitting there, right? And Terry goes down to the ramp. She's going to receive the boat, help it going in. And, and I jump out of my truck, and I'm just like, why aren't you moving? We're, we're wanting to get in there, right? And all of a sudden, a car comes pulling up and rushes right up to the dock where, where Terry is. I'm like, what's going on? And these people get out, and they got all this food in their hand. And uh, I'm like, great. They're, they're taking food on their, their boat, and they're in my way. And, and the guy gets out, and he realizes he's Terry, and then he sees me, and I'm kind of standing there like this, right? And you can just tell he's like, uh-oh, that guy's going to be ticked. Right, and immediately he starts apologizing uh, to to Terry. I'm sorry. We just bring some food for our family. If you just wait, oh please, don't, don't get all mad, right? And, and and Terry just calmly, like she does a lot of times, she says, "It's okay. Just take your time. We're, we're not in a rut." And you could just see the relief of the family. The tension just came down. They're like, "Really? Uh, what planet are you from?" 
Because most humans get mad and it's all about themselves and what is patient, it's all about me, right? And here was a small little example for us to just add value to our society. I don't know you, you don't know me, but we're going to be okay. You just do your thing. We're here to bless you. And we eventually got our boat in. It was a good time. Well, we all can do things like this. When we go to the store, and sometimes I notice that the clerk will be totally stressed out. And you know, and how many customers have yelled at them and all kind of stuff. We usually say, it's okay. It's, it's good. Terry usually makes some kind of joke or something like that. It just calms that, that person down. That are small ways where we can be people of peace. We can be people of light. We can be people of love and mercy to people. But we notice that Micah says, you need to be to do what is right. And my friends, when we have freedom, Christ calls us to also that we need to have responsibility. It's called good citizenship in America. It's called living righteous in Christ. And, and I discovered this verse that was pretty unique in 1 Peter. <clears throat> First Peter, these people are under the, the suppression of the Roman Empire. A lot of them are under persecution. And this is what 1 Peter says to encourage these Christians. Live as free people. Isn't that interesting? But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. In other words, man, you get your marching orders from God. All right? Show proper respect to everyone. Mm, wouldn't that be nice, right? Love the family of believers. That's us, right? Fear God. Yes, put him first. Honor the emperor. What? What, what was that? Honor the who? The, the emperor? But did you know the, the, the policies and the laws and the things that that mean emperor has done? And, and the emperor of Rome was not friendly to Christians. And here this Christian leader is like, hey, before you go off and you start yelling at the Roman Empire, let's honor them. Wow. I would say that that takes the, the power of God to do that. And today in America, we're very tempted to dishonor our national leaders, right? No matter who's the president or whoever the emperor is or whoever it is, is, is we like to uh, insult them and degrade them. But Peter says, man, let's, let's honor our national leaders. There's other places in Rome that says we need to pray for our leaders in government. This my sin, would be a symptom or a symbol of a true Christ follower of salt and light. Now, I'm so grateful today that if we got a complaint about our emperors or our government officials, we have the luxury to speak to them. We, we can send off an email. We can send a note. We, we can speak our mind. In fact, we can even vote them out of office if, if we want to collectively. We have ways to do it respectively and not harshly or disrespectfully. Second way, I think that we can add value, salt and light to our, our country is corporately. I, I love this. So we're required individually to be a blessing out there. But collectively, God invented the body of Christ. In fact, we can do more um, together than we can do individually. That's why he, he created us and create, we're just one. Faith work is just one of many uh, life-giving biblical churches out there. Now, personally, when I was called in the ministry, um, I, I remember that one of my pet peeves were that churches were just so separate from society. 
uh, I'm just thinking of how many churches that I drove by. They were just like this little brick church and it had a steeple. And for my friends and people out there, they just drove by the church and they would view that building. They're just like, that's for those people. That's those Christian people. They organize once or twice a week and they talk their code and their language and they just kind of self-protect. And you know what? They never come out of that box. Right. And, and as I was reading the Bible, I was like, Jesus did not shrink back from culture. Jesus had the courage and the love that says, man, I need to get into culture. I need to get around those sinners. I need to model for them. I need to engage in them. I need to ask them about their kids and understand their past and, and their wounds and, and, and bring healing and hope and, and love and mercy into the community. Did he have pushback? Did he have hurt and persecution? Absolutely. But Christ was willing to get out of his box and, and go into the, that culture. And so many times we're, we're, we're scared of culture, right? And, and we have to have a healthy respect for culture. But greater is he that lives within us. Christ is not telling us to go hide and, and hunker down someplace that it's just all about us. And we're just preaching to the convinced and encourage and only to convince. But it's calling us to be influencers, and, and Faithbrook is, has a heart to be an influencer in our community, in our world. We, we, we want to do church in a way that we inspire the saint, but at the same time that you could bring a seeker, someone that's not sure, to our church. And the way we preach and the way we do church and the way we love, people would be comfortable and say, well, I, I'd like to come back because I'm not really sure. See, I'm counting on you that if, that if I befriend someone out there that's irreligious, they're not church people, and I bring the faith work, I'm counting on you to, to show love to them. Um, I can show love to them, but I need you to say, hey, let me introduce myself. I haven't met you yet. Uh, you got some kids, or what do you do? And next thing you know, it's like, hey, these people are not weird and strange and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I like these people. It's a, it's a place of love and welcoming and acceptance. And before you know it, they, their eyes and uh, their ears get a little bit open. Their heart gets a little bit open to the good news, the gospel truths of Jesus Christ that can, can transform them, eventually give them eternal life. But we cannot do this individually we have to do this collectively together and by the way one of the hallmarks of our church is that we want to add value to our community when we moved in here four years ago we went to the, the city um, leaders and said hey we're just not here for ourselves we believe jesus christ if he was in the neighborhood people would know it and, and we, how can we bless you? How can we add value, salt and light to Dayton, Maple Grove? And I remember the, the city uh, mayor and leaders like, hey, uh, we got this uh, playground coming up and we need some labor. And it's like, sign us up. And, and that first year, the, the people of uh, Faithbrook went out there and we were the heavy labor to build this playground for a local neighborhood. It was a joy. We went to our neighbors down the street. We want to be good neighbors. Eastman Nature Center, w w w how can we bless you? Well, we don't have the money to get these... Uh, um, microscopes. And we said, well, we're going to raise the money for you and raise the money to have kids and have these microscopes. Just this last year, we, we realized that there was a system to help the homeless in St. Paul and Minneapolis and build these tiny homes. And so we took an Easter offering and, and uh, thousands of dollars came in for, for that. Even today, we're, we're rebuilding our outreach team after the pandemic. And we're looking for ways. How can we be a blessing to a community? How can we be the, the collective uh, hands and feet of Christ? 
In fact, I'm excited uh, to just kind of share. As you know, in the last couple of years, there's been some um, churches that are kind of like-minded uh, coming together, at least pastors are coming together. And we're like, hey, we need to, we need to um, raise the level of Christ's presence in our community. We, last year, we called it We Love Maple Grove, and we had three initiatives that we were all going to collectively do together. And so that, that theory of, hey, man, let's be salt and light. We can even be bigger and better than just our individual churches, but what could we do together? And, and July 25th, you're going to hear about a collective night of worship in downtown Maple Grove. We're going to have just a, a night of praise. You'll hear more about it. But there's that, that system. There's that value to say, okay, how can we impact our community? Because our country needs it. Our community needs it. Let's work together collaboratively. You know, I know that uh, several people in America are frustrated. They're worried about their culture in America, that people are, are maybe drifting away politically. There are other people here and in America. It's like, hey, I think America is on the right track. I, I see some good things in America. Uh, so many times we're very tempted to just um, get down in the trenches politically and, and try to change culture and values politically. And, th- and there's something to say about that. But when we go back to the Bible, when we go back to Jesus' words, when Jesus said, man, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of this world, he, he wasn't just talking to Americans in 2021. He, he was saying, wherever you are at, I want you to be salt and light and make an impact. For some people reading this uh, hundreds of years ago, that they were in a communist country, they might be reading it today. Their government doesn't have liberties and it might be in South America or some Christian reading this in, in Russia or, or China or Central America or, or Europe. It doesn't matter what time or what political, what government, Jesus' words are still true. Be salt and light, whatever situation, whatever society that you are planted in. Now, today, on July 4th, I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful that I was raised in a country that the founding fathers had those three valuable truths, that every person is valuable. It came from God's law, the natural law, that we can have liberty and there's some rights that are they're behind us and that we can pursue happiness. And God calls us as Christians to add value collectively and individually to preserve the goodness of our society and even our country because it's worth preserving it's worth adding value and being part of it you know once in a while i will get a chance to meet an immigrant that uh, comes to america and so i like to hear their story and what's that all about i I noticed that there are uh, all over the world everyone wants to come to america so once in a while i'll ask them hey what gives with everyone wanting to come to america what's so special because you got to go through a lot of things and costs you a lot. Not everybody gets here. What's the big thing about America? Is, is it the prosperity that you can make some money? And they'll say, you know, that's true. You, you, you can. However, there's other places in the world that we can make money and prosper. Then I said, well, help me understand. And they say, you know, you Americans don't understand because you've raced in America. But if you race out of, outside of America, things are not the same. Because a lot of times the country I came from, it, it was a life of unpredictability. 
there was always some governmental uh, change and shifting. Uh, There was crime in the streets. Uh, America is much more clean and is more civil and more protective. And and they usually come down to to the laws. I said, what do you mean? He says, you know, if you get arrested or you get accused of something in America, there's justice for all. And you have a system that is based on fairness. Now, I realize it doesn't happen every time, right? But on fairness, back home where we're from, if we're arrested or if we're accused of something, then, then there is corruption. Uh, there's, there's money under the table and what family you're from. And if, and if the government wants you to be free and not for free, but when we come to America, we feel like that there is a, a system in place, the justice for all. That, that your life counts and there has some rights that you can go through and represent yourself, et cetera. I was like, oh, I just took that for, for granted. Like, don't take that for granted. America is a wonderful, beautiful place. And it compels us once again, God, help us to add value to our society. Help us to be people of salt and light. Help us to be great Americans. But more importantly than that, help us to be great Christ followers. Would you stand with me? And let's conclude with a prayer. First of all, God, we want to thank you for your love. We thank you for the freedom we can find through your redemption on the Christ cross and that the uh, Spirit, your Holy Spirit, that can empower us to live for you. And Father, we want to thank you for America. We thank you for the freedom to assemble here today We're not afraid that some government official is spying on us or or looking at us. We're thankful, God, that preachers can speak their mind. People can speak their mind. So today, God, on this July 4th, help us um, to be what you um, shared, that we be salt. From being a uh, preservative to adding flavor to our society, help us to do that as, as Christians. Help us to be that shining light on the hill individually, God, but also corporately as a church. Help us to value life, God, whether unborn or born, Father God, and to treat every person, God, like they're a child of God. Help us. And God, help us to embrace and value liberty from free speech to democracy, God, to uh, being civil to one another, and and the blessings to pursue uh, happiness. May you be blessed, God. May, May our country be blessed, and may these people be blessed. We say it all in your name, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.